Good morning, Faith Church. Welcome, welcome. I am so glad you're here this morning. I'm excited to see what uh, what the Lord does here, what he has for us, and I'm excited to just um, come in unity uh, to worship him and exalt him together. Wanted to let you know about a few things happening in the life of the church. Um, first, we have, I'm excited to let you know, you can see in your bulletin, the Faith Women's Campfire Connection coming up on November 3rd at the Prevet Home. I am excited that faith women are gathering to do this. Um, you just bring a chair and you guys get to uh, circle up around the campfire, enjoy a meal and fellowship um, directed at the Lord. So I'm excited for that. Um, you can use the QR code in your bulletin. You just scan that and sign up. That It's free. We just want to know how many people to expect so we can prepare for you accordingly. So just use that QR code. It's going to be a beautiful time. Women of all ages are welcome um, to come and get to know one another uh, and worship the Lord together. So we invite you to that. Also want to let you know, I know we've talked about um, our big renovation project downstairs because of the flooding. Progress is being made. I'm excited. Um, in fact, we just got a shipment in this week for some things to move forward. Um, wanted to let you know, even though it's not finished and it's not super attractive, the restrooms downstairs are open. So we would encourage you to use those restrooms downstairs during the service, if at all possible. Of course, if you have anything um, that physically prohibits you from using stairs, you are welcome to use the restrooms down this hallway upstairs. But if you can use the restrooms downstairs, we would love that. It just cuts down on some of the distraction during the service. So hooray for restrooms downstairs being open. Just don't look real closely at the walls or the floor until a few weeks from now. So those are open. Um, lastly, this morning, I want to talk to you. I know we've talked about it before, but we're, we want to make sure that we give you every opportunity to learn and understand about the School of Kingdom ministry that is coming, that's going to be launching here. Uh, Faith Church will be a campus of the School of Kingdom ministry starting in January. We launched that initiative. Um, it's a, a very exciting opportunity for those at Faith Church to engage in very focused and um, intentional curriculum as well as application of what it looks like to live uh, a life filled with the Holy Spirit and be a conduit of the kingdom of God in his love and power for a world that needs to know that our God sees them, loves them, and moves on their behalf. So I would like to invite you to our next informational meeting. We had an info meeting last Sunday, um, which was really helpful. We would go through some of the details of that. We also, um, at that meeting, Charles mentioned these were in the mail. This is the book that we go through in the class. Um, this is not lightweight, and yet it's accessible to everyone. I, I'm really excited. We call it Sockham, School of Kingdom Ministry, Sockham. Sockham really is Faith Church's most focused and concerted effort uh, over the last seven years to equip the body of Christ at Faith Church to fulfill the Great Commission, right? We say commission. It's a co-mission. Matthew uh, 28, verses, verse 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So you see, he, went, he sent them out. Jesus sent them out. And my question to you, just to ponder, as you start to think about um, how the Lord wants to engage you in his mission, co-missioning with him, co-laboring with Christ, I just encourage you to pray about these things. Why do we gather here? If Sunday morning gatherings in the church are for equipping the body of Christ to do the work that God has commissioned us to do, then if we don't bring him to those outside these walls, what God has given to us, what, to give away what he's given to us, then gathering is, is it pointless? We're to be built up, yes. Yes, we're to be built up personally, and our understanding and our intimacy with God is encouraged and cultivated, and those are things that are supposed to happen here. But is that meant to be the end? Just you with God. That's not what I see in the passage that I just read, right? Is this a means to the actual end of making disciples, knowing God, and then making him known, right? So a Jesus follower not sent on mission from church is like building a state-of-the-art ambulance that never leaves the place it was built. We're built up because God loves us and he loves intimacy with us, but we are built up also to go draw others into that same intimacy. And I am very excited personally about the School of Kingdom Ministry because like I said, this is a very focused effort and a very practical way for you to engage consistently the meat, the theological meat of the word and the practical application of walking in love and power of the kingdom of God. So I, I urge you to pray about that, to have a conversation with the Lord, whether it's that or another means, how he would invite you to do that. If you guys would stand with me, we'll get ready to turn our hearts and our eyes and our minds to the Lord and get ready to worship him. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we invite you into this place. We are here for you. We are not here for a club. We are not here to make friends. <laughs> We're not here to put on our Sunday best or to enjoy a good beat, although so many of those things I know are good things. God, relationship and fellowship and encouraging one another, God. But all of those things, Lord, all of those things find their meaning in you. They're meaningless, God, without your presence, without your lordship, without your kingship, without you sitting on the throne right now, ruling and reigning, Lord. That is why we're here. We are here to meet with you, God. I thank you for, for tearing that veil, God, to let us come into the holy of holies, God, that your word says that we will know the Lord. That word know, Lord, like you used the word know for when Abraham knew Sarah and conceived God. We want to know you and we want to be known by you. So, Lord, let that be our reality this morning with you. Father, I pray that you would break into this place in love and power in ways we didn't even know to ask for, God, because of your mercy and your grace. Father, fill this room with your presence and lead us, God. Lead us in truth and in light, Father. Use everything we are and everything we have, God, to help us exalt you. And Lord, in your grace and your abundant love, Father, meet with us.
take joy in us, God, and let us rejoice in you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to piggyback off of that big time <laughs> as we go into our worship this morning. Unless you're living with your head in the sand, there's a lot going on in the world. And if you read in Luke 21, it says, these are the signs of the son of the coming of man. And I read them. And there's some of them that I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's some of them I'm going, okay, we haven't seen that yet. But there's enough going on in Luke 21. And some of them, it says, they will hate you for my name. Right now, do you think Israel is being hated for the name of the God of Israel? Yes, it may not be stated that way, but they are. It says nation will rise against nation. We've been seeing that throughout the years. We see that now kingdoms rising against kingdom there's terrifying things and then it says the nations will be in turmoil our own nation is in turmoil and then it says with perplexity like with unexplainable stuff like when we look at our own government it's hard to describe that there are two things that I gleaned after that it says this will be your opportunity to tell the world about me so right now, this is our opportunity to declare who God is. And the second thing it says, so it says, when you see these things even begin to happen, they have begun to happen. Stand and look up for your salvation is near. And come on, King James people, for your redemption draweth nigh. All right. So Jesus is coming soon. Can we agree on that? So we're going to sing a song that we've sang many times before. And usually this is a happy song for me. But right now I'm just hanging out in that minor chord because I want us to get the feel that this song has a different connotation right now. The fact that Jesus is coming soon is like Lauren said, we got to take what we've been listening to and absorbing for, for me 55 years and take it into the streets, take it to the nations, take it to the world because Jesus is coming back. This should not only be a joyous thing, but to some degree a fearful thing. We may have secured our salvation, but there are many who haven't. The time is short. Let's get busy. Jesus is coming soon.
heard you call my name out of the grip of darkness into the light of grace just like Lazarus oh you brought me back to life where there was dead religion now there is living faith all of my hope and freedom is found in Jesus' name. Just like Lazarus, oh, you brought me back to life. No longer I live, but Christ in me, for I've been says I am guilty I'll point to the price you paid when something says I'm not worthy I'll point to that empty grave just like Lazarus oh you brought me you've done for me Jesus to fully praise you it'll take all eternity just like Lazarus oh you brought me back to life you brought me back to
Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. Come on, make sure that it'll cry. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. said you are mine the enemy thought he had me but Jesus said you are mine the enemy thought he had me but Jesus said you are mine the enemy thought he had me but Jesus said you are mine the enemy thought he had me but Jesus said you are mine church. Faith is our weapon. All of these things, it's time to use them. They've been tools in our tool belt for far too long. Get them out. Let's use them.
at your name, darkness trembles. I thank you that at your name, everything bows. I thank you that there is power in your name. Lord, the power has nothing to do with us, but it is found in you and you alone. As we, as we look into what you have in your word, Father, I pray that this is not a time or a place of fear because you have not given us a spirit of fear, but Lord, that we would see that in your name, everything bows. So Father, let it be so for your people this morning. Speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stay standing. You guys are getting better. I only see a couple people going down. 50 weeks in the Word. Each week we read one chapter. There's one verse, and then there's one Bible study. Um, so we're going to be, uh, we were in Ephesians chapter 6, and I promise you I didn't plan this. I didn't, uh, I didn't orchestrate it. I didn't look at the 50 weeks in the world and word and then say, I'm going to do this message on this Sunday. This is all organic, and it just, I mean, I have my messages weeks out, and so here we are. Um, so uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 6 uh, for our 50 weeks in the word, and we're going to be in Ephesians 6 for this morning. So there's the verse, okay? All right, Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6, 11. You may have a seat. I was, I was way faster than Amy, and all I could hear was Amy. And I was like, you go for it. <laughs> Faith Dogmatics, uh, we've been in uh, this for a number of weeks. Uh, I believe this is going to be our ninth week. We, uh, the, this is about what Faith Church believes. Um, in, uh, outside of, uh, we believe all the ancient creeds, all the standard doctrines of, of uh, the, the church for all ages, the Trinity, the Son, the gospel, the resurrection, the ascension, all of it. We believe all of that. And these are just things that we believe over and above that. Uh, and I'm just going to fly through them because we've been in them, and we've been reviewing them for weeks. So, um, first is that faith is a super. Uh, faith Church believes that the world is a supernatural place. Uh, we believe that there are supernatural activities going on all around us, and that Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God when He began His earthly ministry, and we wait its fulfillment right now. We believe that Jesus displayed the good news of the kingdom by teaching with authority, casting out demons, and healing the sick. We are a continuationist church that believes that we have the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus' miracles, so all spiritual gifts are for the church today. And we must root ourselves in what God says about our identity in order to live out the kingdom on earth. And we also believe that every believer is called to walk in the delegated authority of Jesus Christ. Christ. Uh, 
as faith church pursues the spiritual gifts, we follow the command of the Bible to especially desire the gift of prophecy. And faith church believes in divine healing as a sign of the kingdom and actively prays for physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. We believe that healing is a biblical command given to all the people of God, not just a few people. Mark 16 and James 5 attest to these things. And this morning, we're going to talk about freedom. And I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. If you've ever been with us on a Sunday night, then you're used to this. But I'm going to have the opportunity for um, you to ask questions as I go. I'm not going to promise that I'm going to listen or that I'm going to answer every question (laughs) or listen to every question. But you have the opportunity, and here's how you do it. Uh, You go, you can download the Slido app, which is S-L-I-D-O, or you can go in your browser and you put sli.do, not .com, not .org, not .gov, but sli.do. Uh, and when you get there, it's, uh, it will ask you for a hashtag, and the hashtag is faithchurch. There's no space there. Uh, I got autocorrected, I think, there. Um, so there's no space. It's just faithchurch, and it'll bring you to a place where you can do a Q&A, and I'll look at them periodically, maybe. If there's a ton then we'll just stay a little bit later for those who want some answers, and I'll just go over them. Uh, but um, we're going to, uh, I'll try to answer some as we go, because we're going to talk about freedom, especially freedom from Satan's and the demonic. I remember the first time uh, that uh, I went through deliverance with someone. And I came and I drove home with my eyes open wide like this. And I, we played, I played that song that we sang, Tremble. Uh, in fact, I, I just looked uh, to double check this, but in 2020, uh, Tremble was the most played song on my Spotify playlist. Because I would just leave places and I'd be like, I got to remind the, yeah. And then I, so I walked into my house, eyes wide. And I looked at my wife and I said, are the kids asleep? And she said, yes. And I said, get in the room. We went into the room and, I locked the door, and she's like, what happened? I said, I just cast a demon out of somebody. And she said, what? Tell me. And so I was like, well, this happened, and that happened. And there was this, I don't know what was going on. And then Pansy came in and was like, let's do this. And I was like, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, and I said to her, I said, I don't want to be the weird pastor. I just, I don't. That's not what I want to do. And she's kind of thinking, like, you cast one demon out. What's the big deal? But I kind of knew in that moment that, like, if if that's what's available for believers in Christ, then I, I can't go away from it. Like, if it's there and it's the power of God and the authority of God is available, I can't just turn my back and not believe that that's a remedy for people who are hurting, who are addicted, who are in trouble, who are feeling all of these things. And so I, I, I'm just sitting there like, I think this is going to be something I do, and I don't want to wear the weight of that sometimes. And then for months after that, God's just bringing conversations in. Right? God's just bringing 
people asking me questions, people who have been set free from something or told other people and then other people are coming to me and I have this like line out of my door with people wanting to pray, but I didn't say anything and I didn't advertise anything. It took me a year before I said anything from the pulpit. And there were people who had gone through this big transition with us where we're starting to talk about healing and the prophetic and miracles and they're okay with the prophetic and they're okay with healing because that's where I was. When I'm thinking about bringing a, a church into the gifts of the Spirit, I'm like, yes, prophetic and healing and then deliverance. Way down here. And the only reason I even studied it was because everybody that I read from Sam Storms to Jack Deere to John Wimber, they said, if you're going to pray for healing, you're going to run into some, some critters. And I'm like, okay, I'll learn about it, I guess, but that's all I really want. And then, uh, and so we're in this place, and I, I said it from the pulpit, like, hey, this is something that we do here. And then more people were like, nope, can't do it anymore. I said, okay, that's fine. And enough time has passed, and I've seen God do enough things that I am okay. And I just wear it now. <laughs> my, my friend Jane, my friend Jane gave me this shirt. And I said, all right, Jane, I'll take it. When, when you see the power of God in this area, it is... Incredible. And so I'm going to talk to you about it this morning. And I, uh, I've been, I, man, there's 18 different ways I could have taken this sermon. And I'm still not sure I'm taking the right one, but we're just going to go with it and ask God to bless it. So God bless it this morning. But if you want to read, I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read about the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 10 and then the first half of 18. And here's what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So dogmatic number nine. With a spiritual warfare mindset, we actively war against the enemy in helping people find freedom through the casting out of demons and inner healing. I'm going to talk mostly about casting out of demons this morning, but inner healing is healing memories. It's healing trauma. It's bringing Jesus into our past experiences. It's, it's basically mending broken hearts. And so uh, this is how we war against 
the devil because the spiritual battles that Jesus engaged in are still being fought today. Like it didn't stop when Jesus went up to heaven and then every force, every, the way that, the way that Ephesians classifies them, the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, they didn't just stop warring against the people of God when Jesus left. They didn't just say, okay, we'll take a time out till the end, whenever that is. They kept fighting and they're still fighting. And you have to understand that right now, no matter where you are in your walk, that your life is a spiritual battle. Every part of it is a spiritual battle. So with this warfare worldview, here's what I mean by that. I mean that you are actively engaged in spiritual warfare. You may just not know it. That everything that you're, that you're doing, that you're, the times that you resist Satan, the times that you uh, fight against and uh, war against those thoughts, those emotions, those addictions. You're fighting a battle. And sometimes we win battles and sometimes we lose them, but we're in the battle. That there's no neutral ground. Get out of your head that you can stay somewhere where you're just a neutral party. There's no Switzerland in the, war, in the, in the spiritual warfare. There's none. You're either actively fighting against Satan and what he wants uh, to happen in you and on this earth, or you're actively fighting against God. And we wouldn't say, oh, I'm actively fighting against God, but that's what we do when we resist him. And on the flip side, James says, resist the devil. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. So we're actively engaged in warfare. All your spiritual disciplines are warfare. Reading your Bible, having a conversation with God, fasting, forgiveness, repentance, denying self, living in purity, and and all these things that God has called us to do are spiritual warfare. For years, I was told, do these things, and I didn't really know why. You been there? I just, I want to know more about Jesus. Well, just read your Bible more. I don't understand it, so how can I learn? Well, go to more Bible studies. Great, that just produces more questions for me, and you get so frustrated, you just close it up, it sits on your shelf, and you might bust it out for Sundays, but now that you have your cell phone, you don't really need to bring it on Sundays, but you should, but you don't. We're like, well, we need to pray. Oh, so I just tell all God, God all my stuff, and then just kind of leave it at that? That gets tiring and old after a while. And if you're just concentrating on everything that's wrong with you, then you're never growing in your identity and who Jesus says that you are. Fasting, forgiveness, repentance. These are all spiritual disciplines. Why do we do them? Because we are in a battle and we need to be armed. You need to be armed with the word. You need to be armed with being able to hear God's voice and communicate with God. Some, uh, Jesus says that some spirits can only come out by prayer and fasting, some manuscripts say. Forgiveness is a scheme of the devil to keep us trapped, and so we must break away from it. All of your spiritual, door, all your spiritual disciplines are warfare. And all your relationships involve spiritual warfare. Since Genesis 3, husbands and wives, you think you're wrestling against flesh and blood. But the Bible says you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Since Genesis 3, we've been warring against each other with Satan looming in the background. Remember, blame Adam. Parent, 
child, coworker, school, person who cuts you off. All of these things are warfare. And you can win battles with each other, you can lose battles. Do you know somebody really annoying? Don't, don't point to them, don't look at them. A lot of sound issues so far. Uh, um, you ever know, you know somebody annoying? Everything they say kind of grates on you. You see him and you're like, ah, okay, yeah, let's talk. Right? That, I nev- that never happens to me with anybody here. Um, but you know somebody annoying? Now, I'm going to tell you something that, that's revolutionary. revolutionary. It's going to revolutionize your relationships. Have you ever just tried not being annoyed? If someone's annoying, does that give me permission not to respond with the fruit of the Spirit? I'm preaching to myself. Does, does, does Paul say, the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control against these things there is no law, unless somebody's annoying? In my version, he does, but I can't find it in like any of the original manuscripts. Your reactions are warfare. Don't lose those battles. So there's the, these are like these two big thoughts. Now let's narrow it down because that, that's for everybody. Everybody, your spiritual disciplines are warfare. Everybody, your relationships are warfare. But there's also spiritual warfare related to each person, pride, lust, gossip, insecurity, doubt, fear, hate, racism, sexism, all of these different things that we all battle with. And these, uh, these can be attacks from outside of a person, from spiritual entities that attack single people. Like, uh, and that's not a, a comment on relationship status, but like individual people. Or they're uh, overarching entities that drive culture. These are the, these are the, 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 the cosmic rulers, or uh, how does he say? The cosmic powers over the present darkness. We'll do a little bit of an aside really quick on this, uh, these entities that drive culture. If you want to know what spiritual entities are behind culture, uh, look at the ancient deities that people worshipped that were very real. Right? Look at those. See how they were worshipped and then see how it, that works itself out in our present day. Here's what I mean. You go to the Bible and you see Molech and you know from, uh, from the Bible that God tells, uh, God tells his people, do not send your children to the fire like those who worship Molech do, right? So Molech runs on child sacrifice. So then we see, okay, if Molech is still around and he is, then how does that map itself out and work itself out today, right? Where's the most child sacrifice happen? In Planned, Planned Parenthood facilities, in abortion clinics. And so you want to know who's who's over the abortion industry? Molech, right? He gets power, right? You, you wanna look at the greed that, that happens? Look, I'm pro-capitalism. I'm not pro-greed. 
and the lines are getting a little bit too blurred. And so if you want to see where's all this greed getting driven from, you, you go back to Jesus's words and he says, you cannot serve two masters because you'll love one and you'll despise the other. Therefore, you cannot serve God and mammon. Some of your translations have softened it and put money, but the word there is mammon because mammon's a deity that runs over greed. Here's one. If you want to see what's over the, the, the transgender ideologies, the LGBT ideologies, you look back at the ancient gods and you see, okay, which one, which one of these tried to blur the lines between the sexes? Which one's even depicted like that? And you go and you look and you see these pictures of Baphomet. And he has a goat's head, but he, he's not a man or a woman. He is gender blurred. And that's how they worshipped him. And so you could think, well, maybe there's a correlation there. Okay, that's my quick aside on entities that drive culture. And so there can be attacks from uh, with on the outside that that pummel us individually, and then deities that drive culture. And then there's also attacks from within, what we'll call demonization. The uh, the Bible will say things, or your translation of the Bible will say that there are demon possessed people, but there is no demon possession in the Bible. There were five ancient Greek words that means ownership. To possess something means to own it. It's yours. You have rights to it. Uh, it you can do with it whatever you want. There's no, there's no demon possession. There are five ancient Greek words that meant to own something, to possess something, to have something, and none of those are used in relation to demons. The writers of Scripture, they made up a new word that had never been seen before, and that about that described demons indwelling a person, and that's demonization. They took a noun and they made it a verb. And so what they did is, um, if I am teaching theology, you can say that I am theologizing. Uh, there's an act of theologizing happen, but theologize isn't a word, but I could use it and you, you, it would make sense to you. I'm theologizing. Right, so they did that with demons. They took the root word uh, daimon and added uh, the, uh, a suffix to it that makes it diamatsi, which means demonization, which means to be harassed or indwelt. Because in the Bible, we clearly see that there are indwelt demons. Jesus cast demons out of people, not away from people. They're in there. And in the Bible, it's clear that they can cause specific problems. They can cause mental illness. Legion cut himself, had fits of rage. He lived in a cemetery around death, maybe in a seminary too, but in a cemetery. And he was described as being out of his mind, right? So if we knew somebody like this today that was cutting themselves, would have fits of rage, they were obsessed with death, and everybody would look at them and be like, yeah, they're out of their mind. What would we do? We'd pump 18 drugs into them, and if they were really bad, we'd put them in an asylum some way away from everybody else. And that was not Jesus' method to get rid of what Legion was dealing with. Jesus' method was to keep on calling out the spirits until there were so many. He's like, how many are you? There's a bunch. All right, all of you come out. They cause physical ailments. They cause seizures, deafness, muteness, back pain, 
And this isn't an ailment, but Legion had superhuman strength. They would wrap him in chains, and he would just break through them, right? And so we see that this happens to people who are demonized, and there's supernatural enlightenment. In Acts 19, the young girl made her master's money with a spirit of divination, where she could contact the spirit world, know what's coming, know what's happening, and she made them a lot of money. In the Bible, we see that there are spirits of heaviness, fear, and what seems like depression comes on Saul. The Bible says to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The Bible says that you have not been given a spirit of fear. Depression and heaviness are probably closely related. And what happens when Saul has an afflicting spirit that is causing him to be heavy and depressed? What happens? David comes in and David starts playing and singing like an angel and the spirit stops afflicting Saul because the garment of praise is supposed to be put on when you have a spirit of heaviness. We see this in the Bible. And so Jesus comes and he starts to do something about it. Jesus never met a demon that he liked. He never came across somebody who was like, no, it's okay. None of them like stood up in the middle of the synagogue and like, you, uh, you're the son of God. Why are you going to destroy us? He's like, oh, good to meet you again. Man, I remember you. I saw you fall. It was like lightning. It was crazy. No, he said, get out. We cast him out and then the person, ah! A third of Jesus' ministry is focused on casting out demons. And he attests that it's a sign of the kingdom being near. In Matthew 10, 28. But if I cast out spirits by the power, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come among you. He attests that the kingdom is brought near. And then Jesus gives his followers authority to cast out demons. In Matthew 10, Luke 9 and 10, Mark 16. And then we see them actually doing this in Luke chapter 9, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 19. And the early church carried on this ministry as well. It's not like it stopped when all the apostles died. And I'll have a quote from an early church father in a minute. So this happened. It was clear that it happened. It's clear that Jesus fought against it and warred against it. And so you might ask yourself, does it still happen? Can people still be demonized? And the answer is yes. There is no biblical warrant to believe it can't happen again. None. The Bible doesn't say, and the demons will be around until such and such a time. Or they'll all be, they'll all be gone by this time and the future. There's no biblical warrant to believe that it no longer happens. But the Western church, largely denying supernatural phenomenon, will attribute natural causes to supernatural activity. So things are happening, and we're, we're like, oh, well, we, there's a natural explanation for it. Let's figure it out. Sleep paralysis is one. I was praying for a young man last month, and he came up to me for prayer. And... Uh, some people, I can just tell by looking at them, I don't need any spiritual insight. But you ever, you ever meet somebody who feels like they just have a black cloud over their head? 
and it, it like affects their face and their posture and the way that they stand and the way that they walk. Right? Uh, they're either a teenager or there's something going on. Okay. <laughs> Happy birthday to my daughter Emery, who turned 13 today. So, <laughs> so uh, this, this young man, he's 20, 21 years old, comes up and he asks for prayer. And I say, well, what do you want prayer for? And he, he wants a word of wisdom. He says, I'm in this spot in my life and I just need to know what God wants me to do. I said, tell me about it. And he said, um, well, I was going to a Christian college and I dropped out after a year. It wasn't a right fit. I want to pursue media and films and things like that. And I said, okay, uh, anything else? And he says, well, a friend, I have a friend, I have a contact that I know, and he's making a small movie, and he's offering me a part in the movie as, uh, as just some role, but just to kind of get my foot in the door. And as he's telling me that, all I'm hearing in my head is dark paths, dark paths, dark paths. I said, oh, okay. And so I said, I don't know exactly what's going on here, but I just kept hearing the word dark path around that. Can I pray for you? And he said, yeah. So I pray, and I was prompted, and I asked him, do you dream or do you have nightmares? And he said, no, I haven't had any since I was 12. And if somebody can give you the date and the year when something happened, it's usually something big. I said, what happened? He said, well, I was lying in bed and something came through my window and stabbed me while I was paralyzed on my bed. And I thought, oh. but it, was, it wasn't like a physical stabbing, but it, was, it felt physical to him. It was like spiritual, but it felt physical to him and he was on his bed frozen. And I said, okay. Well, okay, let's pray. And I'm praying a little bit more. And I'm thinking to myself, that only happens, like, this is just my train of thought. That only happens when there's something big going on. Like, and so I asked him, I was like, did you do, and I was expecting it, yes. I said, did you do any Ouija boards or witchcraft or anything like that around that age? And he said, no. And I was like, no. It's like, okay. It's like, but after that, I got into really dark stuff. I was like, what do you mean really dark stuff? And he said, well, I started to watch violent videos on YouTube. And I started to watch dark things on the internet. YouTube, like things that you could go and watch. And he says, I started to watch really dark things there. I said, well, that explains the, the, the cloudiness that I felt over you. And so I started to pray for him and cast out a few things. I don't even remember what we cast out, but we cast out a few things and, you know, he's, he's doing all the things that let me know the things are coming out. And he, at the end, he's just sitting there or he's just standing there like this. And I'm done praying. I was like, you just stay there as long as you need to stay there. I'm going to go pray for someone else. And I left and he's just standing there. And so I didn't see him. I saw him two days later um, and he was with his parents. And I said, I said, dude, you, there's, there's like a brightness to him at that point. Like his face, his expression changed. And I said, 
man, you look different. There's a lightness to you. There's a brightness to you. And his mom looked at me and she said, I haven't seen him smile since he was 16 years old. See, we attribute natural causes to supernatural things. You go and look up sleep paralysis and, oh, it's a sleep thing. And if you lay on your side and not on your back or if you take this special concoction before bed, right, not saying all sleep paralysis is demonic because you never say always and you never say never. So I'm not saying all of it is. I'm just saying a lot of it is. People hear voices in their heads and you don't, so they don't even realize they're hearing voices. Can't tell you how many number of people I've sat with in deliverance and they're at the end and they say it's quiet. Medical problems are healed. People have boils close up overnight. People physically healed. This still happens. You might ask yourself, well, can Christians be demonized? And let's be completely fair. We have to be completely fair. The Bible isn't clear about this in either direction. I wish there was a verse in Scripture that said, Christians, be on guard because you can be demonized. I wish there was something that said that so I can point and say, look, see? Right, but there's no verse uh, so, but on the flip side, there's no verse, or there is no verse that says Christians can be demonized. But on the flip side, there's no verse that says that Christians cannot be demonized. And, and people want to make an argument. They say, well, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, then you can't have a demon in you. And that seems logical, but it doesn't bear out to experience or to witness. Right? If you, well, the, the presence of God cannot be in the presence of a demon. Do you know in the Old Testament that in the Holy of Holies, these rebellious king, a rebellious king went in and took idols, which uh, are uh, the gods of the nations are demons, Psalm says. Paul says that idols are empowered by demons. And so an idol goes into the holy of holies and they would make sacrifices to other gods in the holy of holies in the temple. And God didn't erase it or obliterate it, right? Because they could be in the presence of God because somebody allowed it. Somebody opened the door to the temple to let those idols in. Got some more on this. Look, we are made in the image of God, and we are triune in nature like God. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our soul is the unsanctified parts of our immaterial selves. The body is our physical self, and there are parts of us that are not physical, Right, that are unsanctified. Right, we would all say that. We would all say we're unsanctified in places. That's our soul part. And the spirit part is the place made for the Holy Spirit to reside. So no demons get into the spirit part of us, but in our soul and in our body, they can reside. Here's just a couple verses that make the, 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 dif the differentiation between soul and spirit. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And make your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the hearts, the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So there's this place, there's this place 
where the spirit and the soul divide, and the spirit is safe, secured. We've been given the Holy Spirit as a down payment for our future inheritance. Right? And then we have our soul where our mind, our will, and emotions are still working it out. Here's another, this is a logical argument as well, but you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ, but you still have sinful thoughts and desires. How can the mind of Christ have sinful thoughts and desires? Because it's unsanctified. There's parts of you that are unsanctified. And you have the mind of Christ, but we're still wrestling. So it seems that that these demons are able to take up residence in the body and the soul parts of people, in the mind, the will, and the emotions, and in the physical body. And when you cast a demon out, you pray that somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's the spirit growing in somebody. It's the spirit expanding, taking more ground from the enemy so that we become more sanctified, more passionate pursuers of God as the spirit fills us more and more. There are some believers pre-Pentecost who are influenced or dwelt by demons. Peter, get behind me, Satan. James and John, we'll go over that in a second. The daughter of Abraham in Luke 13. The people in synagogues, they're there to hear Jesus and they're manifesting. And Jesus calls freedom from demons the children's bread. Here's, here's a few verses. Here's a few verses. Ananias and Sapphira, if you believe that they're believers, then this verse says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself one of the part of the proceeds of the land? Is Peter just talking in metaphor and analogy? Or does Peter, who was told, get behind me, Satan, by Jesus himself, knows what it looks like when Satan fills somebody's heart? Right? Why has he filled your heart? 2 Corinthians 11.4, for if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, what spirit did you receive? The Holy Spirit. How did you receive it? It came to live in you. That's how you received it. And Paul is saying, don't receive another spirit like you received the Holy Spirit. Or if you accept a different gospel from the one uh, you accepted, you put, it, you put up with it readily enough. Saying, look, don't, don't accept another gospel. Don't accept another spirit. And give no opportunity or a place to the devil. The word there is tapos, which means uh, topography, which is a place. It's a place. Was at the conference last month, and we were hanging out in between sessions. We had just eaten dinner, and it was me, Michael Miller, Judah Dawkins was there. He led worship at the last one, and we were all kind of sitting around with some other people sitting around. And uh, and Judah says to Miller, he says, "Are you going to pray for my wife?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, we can pray for her." And his wife comes over and like, "What do you want prayer for again?" She's like, "I was hypnotized. I was hypnotized a, a while back, and so I want some prayer." And he's like, okay. 
And, uh, and as she says that, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking that about, I don't know, 12, 11 years ago, my wife, before we knew any of this, she was working for a Fortune 500 company, and there was a company party that she was in charge of throwing, and she invited a hypnotist to come to the party, and I got hypnotized, right? I, I went up there, and they did this thing where, like, can you raise your arms? Can you do it? Can't. And they said, okay. Um, and so I went up there and I got hypnotized and uh, I did all that. And I was like, oh, I was like, when you're done praying for her, can you pray for me? They said, okay. And so um, sat there and Miller said, all right, repent. And I repented. He led me through repentance. He told me, uh, or he led me in uh, saying, I'm never going to do that again. Uh, and then he looked at me and he said, spirit of hypnosis, come out. Spirit of hypnosis, come out. And I felt just a little flutter like right here, my chest, and I, and I went, <coughs> and I coughed for about 20 seconds, felt a release. I had a pain in my head right there, and then I got prayed for, and the Holy Spirit fell. Now, since then, I'm not going to tell you what this is because it's embarrassing, but I would do something while I was driving, and it was, it, it would like, it would cause me to disassociate just a little bit while I'm driving. Disassociate's like overstating it. But I would kind of step back and I would, in my mind, my mind would start doing something really strange and really weird. And I always wondered like, where did that come from, right? And since I was prayed over last month, it has, uh, I haven't done it since. And it took me a couple weeks to like look back and say, oh, you haven't done that since. And then as I was preparing for this message, I feel something fighting me, trying to do it while I'm driving. Because I'm practicing my message while I'm driving. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, nope. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You're not, nope, not getting any more foot. Like. Right. And that's just one of my deliverance experiences. So can a Christian have a demon? Now let me put this on you. And, and, and if you're comfortable with this, I'm just asking you to step out. If you've had a demon cast out of you here or somewhere else, can you just raise your hand and hold it up? Look around real quick. I will take that over anybody who says Christians can't have demons, but I don't have a good argument. All right, I'll take that. How do demons work? They entice, they harass, they compel, they enslave, they cause addictions, they deceive, they can attack the physical body. We're gonna talk a little bit about ways that this can happen, but I'm doing this not to put you in a place of fear or paranoia. I'm doing this simply so you can know your enemy, so you can recognize the attacks that are coming against you, okay? So this is not for you to be in a place, well, I did that one time, could it maybe? Maybe, but we'll take care of it. Maybe, but th this hypnosis thing happened 10 years ago. I haven't fed it. I haven't been going back for hypnosis. So when they called it out, I was just like, oh, there it is. Go out. How can it happen? Uh, occult activity. Play with Ouija boards. Go to mediums or channelers. Try to cast spells. Have your tar tarot cards read. Go to Reiki. All of these occult activities open doors. Idolatry or false religious activity. Now here's where it gets interesting for some people. Yoga. Yoga? Every pose in yoga is a worship of a, of a, of a Hindu deity. 
Well, I don't intend for that to, I don't, look, here's the thing as I say this, Satan doesn't fight fair. Satan doesn't fight fair. You know, we see these horrors happening in Israel because we see, the. uh, don't go look at the pictures, like don't, we'll talk about that in a second, don't go look at the pictures of the babies that are being killed, the civilians that are being killed and paraded around, don't go look at that, but it's happening, and something inside of it says, even in war, you don't do that. Like there are, there are boundaries, there are, there are conventions that have been had that say this is how we fight war and if countries go outside of this, they'll be punished. There is none of that for on Satan's side. He doesn't care about anything that, that says, well, if they're a child, uh, they can be protected or if they don't mean it, right? So when you're sitting there and you're worshiping another god, intentionally, but like, and I'm not saying that if I accidentally do a yoga pose when I'm picking up a pen, right? I'm not saying, I'm saying when you're saying, I'm going to do yoga, right? Did you know that, that yoga was one of the ways that Hindus wanted to evangelize America? They're, those were their missionaries that they sent over, were yogis, Zen Buddhism, transcendental meditation, Kijong, free masonry, there's Freemasonry in your line and we haven't dealt with it yet, come see me. Because in Freemasonry, the person dedicates their generations to God, to, to not to God, to the, what they think they're saying God, but they're, 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 they're worshiping a God of Freemasonry. So if you have that in your background, you might want to come and pray. Yes, no downward dog. <laughs> Chronic drug or alcohol abuse and addiction. Psychedelics will open you to this. In the 60s, things started to get crazy. Why? LSD. LSD was everywhere. You get it everywhere. Last time I taught on this on a Sunday night, I mentioned ayahuasca. And everybody's like, what's ayahuasca? And then I got a text later that week. It's like, I've heard about ayahuasca three times this week since you said it last Sunday. Because that's when it came out that Aaron Rodgers, the famous NFL quarterback, he does ayahuasca all the time. Right? These things open you up. Revelation 9.21 and in other places, it talks about pharmakia, right? And the, the, the translations translate it sorcery, but it's pharmakia where we get our word pharmacy from. There's anger and unforgiveness. Jack Deere writes this and still surprised by the spirit. Hell runs on the fuel of hatred and unforgiveness. When we consistently refuse to forgive We give demons a place in our lives because we are agreeing with hell against heaven. And there's that verse in Ephesians, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity, topos, place to the devil. So when you're fighting with your husband or you're fighting with your wife, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It doesn't mean you have to have everything solved. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. can happen with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. James 3, 14 through 15. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. What wisdom is it though? It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, blasphemy against God, 
Hymaeus and Alexander, Paul says that he handed them over to Satan that they may not that they may learn to not blaspheme. I don't know what they were saying, but if Paul is saying, Satan, have Adam. It had to be pretty bad. But he says, we can get handed over to Satan. Sexual immorality. When intercourse happens, there's a spiritual transaction between two people that takes place. And remember, Satan doesn't play fair. So this, unfortunately, is true if you are a victim of sexual assault. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul hands over a man involved in incest to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. But why? So that his soul may be saved. Paul's saying, look, you're unrepentant in your sin. I'm going to take you outside of the protection of the body of Christ and of Jesus. They're going to lift their divine protection and Satan's going to have his way with you, but I hope you see in it that Jesus loves you and is calling you and you can come back repentant and restored and renewed. It happens in trauma. Satan does not fight fair and can take advantage of fear to gain a foothold. Trauma, and sometimes it's big trauma, sometimes it's little trauma gone through healing where it was like this trauma was when I got hit with a baseball when I was playing Little League. And that came up as I was dealing with trauma. I was like, I don't even really remember that. So it could be something small like that or it could be this big thing. Assault, abuse, praying. I don't know if I mentioned on Sunday morning or Sunday night, but I was praying uh, with a group over someone who had been involved in a motorcycle accident and that trauma had had. Uh, that fear and that trauma had gotten a place in him and he just couldn't shake it. And so we were praying over him. There's violence. If you habitually wish for violence or engaged in violence, it opens you up. Sons of Thunder in Luke 9, hey, Jesus, should we call down fire and lightning on our enemies? Should we just call down wrath from heaven on our enemies? And what does Jesus do? You don't know the spirit that you're speaking from. It's not my spirit. It's not some spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not Yahweh. It's not me. You don't know the spirit that you're speaking of. And they had to stop. What spirit am I speaking of? In, in, uh, uh, excuse me, in John chapter 8, he tells the Pharisees, you are sons of your father Satan who is a murderer. He is violent. Right? And tells him, that's who your father is. You look just like him because there's violence in your, in your eyes right now as you're looking at me. There's violence there. Violent media is the main culprit because most of us, we're not going out and engaging in barroom brawls and uh, beating people up for fun, right? But violent media is okay, right? The reality is, is we shouldn't know what it looks like for someone to be shot. Like that, that's not a function of God or, or his kingdom, right? But we'll watch it all the time. Like I know what it looks like for someone to get shot. 
if Hollywood does good depictions. Like if they're accurate, I know what it looks like for someone to get shot. I shouldn't know that. I know what it looks like for someone to be murdered. I shouldn't know that. I've, had, I've changed my viewing habits because of it. There are shows that I used to like, and I went to rewatch one of them. And as I was watching, I was just like, man, this is a great storyline, but I can't, I can't do it. We don't want to open ourselves up by being exposed to, to violence that we shouldn't have looked at. And this goes for all media. We're in that season now where movies and shows and video that bring horror to you, right? We willingly, willingly inviting fear into your life can be dangerous because God doesn't want you to have a spirit of fear. And then you're saying, I want to be afraid. Make me fearful. It's funny, there's a jump scare. Satan doesn't care. Doesn't care. There's, I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago and like half the people in this church reposted this thing on Facebook where it talked about exactly that and I was like, wow, things have really changed. <laughs> Willingly inviting fear into your life is dangerous. Look, certain video games. If you're, look, I've played the games where you could look through the scope of a gun and you can train it on somebody's head and you could pull the trigger and you could see it explode. I'm not supposed to know what that looks like. These ultra-violent video games. Or there's games where you live in another world and you become another person. MMORPGs is what they're called. It's basically online role-playing games. I had a friend, outgoing, uh, good guy, wanted to hang out all the time. When we were 16 or 17, he got involved in World of Warcraft. Right? I've never played the game, but apparently you're these different things, and you go into this virtual world, and he became addicted to it. When he's not in school, he was on his computer till three in the morning. He went from this jovial, outgoing guy who wants to hang out all the time to us never seeing him again. Like we just never saw him. And we reconnected 20 years later on Facebook and he had battled depression all of his life. He never stopped it though. He never stopped gaming. It just became a new one and a new one and a new one. And he's been suicidal. He's, he's come through depression. He's fighting all of these things. And he was not like that before he started playing that video game. So I don't know what happened. Media that drives false narratives and dangerous ideologies. I was recently with somebody, and I'm sitting across from them. And they're telling me something that they believe. It's a, it's a I'm not going to get specific, um, uh, but it's a general ideology that's going around, and they bought into it. And so I'm praying for them, and I'm, and I'm, tr- I'm calling this spirit out, and I'm trying to get it out, and it, it's stuck on something. And I said, and I just got prompted. I said, where did you learn all of this? And they said, TikTok. Here's what I did. I bind up the spirit of TikTok with the spirit of this ideology come out now. 
I'm just telling you what happened. I, don't, I can't explain it. I don't know how that happens. I'm just telling you what happened. Right, so, so I'm not saying all social media is bad. But um, <laughs> you, you should know that if your, uh, if your teenage daughter signs up for TikTok and she puts her age there, they will start flooding her uh, without her subscribing to anything, without her following anybody, they will start flooding them with gender ideology. Like pe- people have tested this out. They'll sign up as 13, grown men are signing up as 13-year-old girls, which should tell you something, but they're signing up as 13-year-old girls and then they're just getting flooded with gender stuff. Like it, there's targeted things that happen in these algorithms and it's not by chance. Parents, limit your children's exposure to this type of media, and you limit your own exposure to this type of media. The early church experienced this. They were delivering a woman from a demon after she apparently went to another side of Rome, and she went to a very violent play. Like, whatever play it was in particular, it was very violent and had big depictions of violence. And so then they're casting out the demons and they're telling, they're, they're like t- asking the demons, like, what are you doing here? You're not allowed to be here. And it said, it answered, and this is Tertullian, who was a church father who wrote Apologia. He's not some internet guy that has a YouTube video that says he does deliverance and is a little wacky. This is Tertullian. He says, in the outcasting, accordingly, when the unclean creature was upbraided, that means yelled at, for having dared to attack a believer, he firmly replied, and in truth, I did it most righteously, for I found her in my domain. I'm just telling you what Tertullian wrote. Generational iniquity. This is a result of sin carrying down to the third and fourth generation. God says, don't bow down to these other gods. Don't serve these other gods because if you do, I'm going to visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation to those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So he's saying, if you involve yourself in idolatry, that's how come if there's false religions in your line, we clean that stuff out. But he says, he says, look, yes, it goes down to the third and fourth generations. But listen, because here's where we're going to transition out of this. Remember, not paranoia, not fear, just information, because his steadfast love is for a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. A thousand not three, not four. If I offered you three or four dollars or a thousand dollars, what are you going to choose? A thousand. Because it's bigger and it's greater and it's more powerful and you have authority. Like don't, don't go blind to that fact that you have authority over the enemy because the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is now alive in you and will give life to your mortal bodies. And he who is greater is in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan and he's gonna use you. Like you have authority. You're not a powerless patsy that can do nothing. You have armor on. That's what Paul's going through in our passage in Ephesians. He's saying, look, from head to toe, we'll, we'll, we'll put on belts and helmets and breastplates and shoes and we'll carry swords and we'll have this protection and these um, 
and these offensive weapons because you are not powerless because you have this living God inside of you. And when you realize that you do not war against flesh and blood, then you begin to see this is how Satan's moving. This is how he's acting. This is how he's trying to get me. But my armor is secured tight. You're an empowered child of God. And more than that, God wants to partner with you to drive back the kingdom of the enemy. I've had people call me. Be like, Charles? Yeah? What do you want? I'm annoyed right now. No. (laughs) Yeah, what's up? You'll never believe what I just did. I was with somebody and they started acting up and they were gonna have a panic attack and I just, I just, I just called something out and something came out. I don't know how I did it. Love getting phone calls like that. Because yes, I can do it and, and God's put an emphasis for me to do it for this season of my life, but you can do it as well. Knowing your authority is directly tied to knowing your identity. We've said that before. I'll keep saying it. But until you realize who God says you are, then you'll, you'll not want to wade into these waters. Somebody asked, was Judas demonized? Yeah, it says Satan entered him. Like It's as plain as can be in Scripture. Somebody put Halloween fear. So I'm guessing, yes, stay away from fear stuff on Halloween. Uh, we've stopped dressing as ghosts and witches, and uh, I think we've, we did Mario characters one year. We did, I, don't, I can't even remember. We were hunters one year, and I wore some camouflage, so that was great. Um, how can one determine if someone is demonized? Right, So if we're looking for this, if I'm telling you that you're empowered to do it, how do you know if you come across it? Discernment of spirits, there's a gift there. Most of my stuff is because I know a lot, I've read a lot, I've seen a lot, I've done a lot, so I just make connections where they are. Um, I was, when we, <laughs> I had a friend ask Lauren, uh, he said, does every time someone cough, Charles, go. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just about, no. There's a lot. I've taught on that a lot before, and we can po- I can point you to resources. If that was you, uh, shoot me an email. Because this is, this is a ministry of the body. Because any authority that you have to drive out demons comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. You partner with God, but he supplies the necessary power. Like, it's there for you. And these signs shall follow those who believe in me. They will cast out demons. That's Mark chapter 16. He says it. The first thing in 16, 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. Jesus has us operating out of a place of victory because he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them and him, right? It always comes back to this gospel. The gospel that Jesus Christ lived 
that he was here, he was real, he was born of a virgin, he lived a perfect life, and when he went to the cross, death had no hold on him because he was perfect and he was righteous, and so God stripped Satan of authority, and at that point, Jesus takes his sin, our sins on him. In the, most, in the most lopsided trade in history, in the most lopsided exchange we've ever seen. He takes our sin, and then when we put our trust in him, he says, here, have my righteousness. And the depth of that causes us to rejoice, and death has no hold on us because Jesus conquered the grave, and now he sits at the right hand in all authority and power, and we're part of, we're seated in the heavenly places with him. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we operate in authority. Not every Christian has the same emphasis in deliverance or freedom ministry. And some might be more uniquely called to battle in that way. Somebody asked, what books would you recommend for beginners? Sam Storms has a book on spiritual warfare uh, still surprised by the voice, or still surprised by the power of the Spirit by Jack Deere has an extended section on this. Uh, it's a little bit dated, uh, but Derek Prince's book, uh, the, "They Will Expel Demons," "They Shall Expel Demons," is is uh, is pretty good. Jake Kale, um, his books are easily accessible and easy to read. Uh, I would actually probably start with. I'd probably go Jack Deere, Jake Kale, Sam Storms, Derek Prince um, in that order in terms of reading books. Uh, and that's just if you want to learn about it. It doesn't mean that you're going to be doing this all the time. But know that you have the authority to cast out demons. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're qualified. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Yes, look. Parents, let me talk to you for a second. There are a lot of demonized children in the Bible. There just are. The, 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 the Syrophoenician woman, the, the kid who's having seizures, right? learn to cast demons out of your children. Not my perfect angel. <laughs> I know everybody's like, huh, maybe that explains it. It's probably generational, so calm down, all right? Look, for faith, deliverance will never be the central message preached. I'm not going to get up here and preach it for four weeks in a row, five weeks in a row. But it's a normal part of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God will always be preached. Right? I don't know that I've done an emphasis on this since the first time I did it a year and a half ago. But know that if you're sitting here and you're thinking, maybe that explains some stuff. Maybe these things that I've been fighting against for years and years, and I've done all the things that the Christian pastors have told me, and I've done all the things that the counselors have told me, and I've tried all the medication, or I've done all the right things, and it's just not getting better, then maybe you can look and say, hmm, maybe, maybe. And that freedom's available. So here are my final thoughts. Be on guard, but not paranoid. You have the Holy Spirit in you. 
listen to him. Look, I have sat with hundreds of people. I've, I've sat and I've, I've heard these things and I've heard these stories and I've heard all of it. Ah, man, I've seen some dark places. But I don't walk around and be like, oh, oh, something's out to get me. Something's out to get me. Why? Because I'm wearing armor. Why don't I get afraid? Why? Because I know, I know the name that causes them to flee. I come up against particularly difficult ones. I'll just say, are you greater than the name of Jesus? And the answer is always no. They're not. Be on guard, but don't be paranoid. This, when I'm talking about things like media and social media and changing our habits, it's, it's not simply for the sake of changing because so, we're afraid of demons. It's, it's changing because we want to glorify God. And if Satan is behind these things in media, if Satan's behind these things in social media, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like I want to live my life pure and holy as I can before my Lord and my Savior. So I want to pursue God in my daily life through my spiritual disciplines. I want to better arm myself to understand who Jesus has made me to be. So do it. No more. Look, you're not in neutral. You're not idling. You're either going away or towards God and understand that you have authority. Always remember that the first time, the very first time, very first time I prayed for somebody, I went to this training and I had seen it, but when the person went, because somebody asked, do they make strange noises? Sometimes, but sometimes not. In my head, all I thought was, everything in the Bible is real. It's all real. Like there's, there's nothing in the word that's untrue. And I can't sweep this stuff under the rug anymore. That's going. And then, then the next thought was, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know how to do this. And then my next thought was something that I had learned at the training, whereas all I heard was, remember your authority. Remember your authority. Remember your authority. So I'm saying that to you. Remember your authority. Remember your authority. Remember your authority. Stand with me. If I didn't get to your question, you can come ask me personally after we're done. And I went a long time, so thank you for sticking with me. Okay? Holy Spirit, come. Father, in the name of Jesus, over this place and over the people in this place, Father, right now I rebuke, I rebuke any spirit of fear that's trying to take hold. I rebuke any fear, uh, any spirit of paranoia that's trying to take hold. I rebuke any religious spirit bubbling up in the name of Jesus. Father, secure in us 
Secure in us the knowledge of the power of your name. Secure in us the knowledge of the power of the cross. I thank you for the cross. I thank you, Father, that Jesus took on flesh and he came here. And when we willingly gave up his life, we could be restored, renewed, transferred into the kingdom of God, that our sins are forgiven and eternal life started at that moment. I thank you for the cross, Father. of victory. I rejoice that we're singing from a place where you, Lord, get all the glory. There's none of our own. I rejoice that at your name everything bows, that we are seated with you in heavenly places.
Treasures that pain are never enough. 
There's a name that levels mountains Calls out highways through the sea And I've seen his power and rival battles Right in front of me There's a faith that stands to fight Sends Goliath to his knees And I've seen his praise and rabble shack Right off my feet Cause that's the power of your name Just a mention makes a way Giants fall and strongholds break There is healing That's the power that I claim It's the same that ruled the grave There's no power like the mighty name of Jesus There's a hope that calls out In the furnace of praise The kind of living expectation Every prayer I make Is on an empty grave Cause that's the power of your name Just a mention makes a way Giants fall and strongholds Please
Yes.